Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. Welcome to this week's Sober Stories. Uh, today I'm joined by Heidi from Portsmouth. Um, Heidi has 228 days of sobriety, which is in months, um, just over seven months. Uh, so thank you so much for joining me today, Heidi. How are you feeling? Thank you for having me. I'm feeling quite nervous, but I'm excited at the same time. Uh, well, I'm super grateful for having you on the show. Um, it's people like you that bring this podcast to life. So, yeah, thank you yeah. so much. Um, so why don't we get to know you a little bit? Um, please, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, my name's Heidi. I'm from Portsmouth. Um, I've been, I was born here, grew up here. I absolutely love being here. Um, I'm 33 years old and I have a 14-year-old daughter. So, a young mum. Um, I live at home with my partner and dog and my daughter um, and I work full time in an office but I've just started enrolling in a course at college so I'm hoping to change careers um, and really close with my family we all do a lot together and we we spend a lot of time together doing like gatherings and, and parties or whatever but yeah that's me. Ah lovely sounds lovely um, so Describe your life with alcohol. Um, chaotic, to be honest. It was, I've, I've been a drinker since I was 13. I had my first drink. Um, I was brought up around alcohol. All my family members, adults drank um, with us kids around. And it wasn't, um, I remember at the time being distressed or anything. It was just the time, the times us kids grew up around it. And I just straight away had that want to have a drink I always wanted to like try it and everything so by the time I was 13 I'd I'd already tried it a few times um but I actually had my black black first blackout at 13 wow just really young yeah um but it was just it's just always been in my life and I think throughout the time the last few years got it was um more so the blackouts obviously increasing, becoming more, but my life with alcohol and it was just unmanageable. It became unmanageable and it, it had to stop. Yeah. God, it honestly, it's almost exactly the same for me. I was 14 actually when I had my first drink, but um, I also grew up around alcohol, family parties, um, you know, and there would just be bottles and bottles and bottles of alcohol on the side of the kitchen counter um, and just like lots of drunk people <laughs> wandering yeah, about was. the place it was but I don't remember at the time being scared or anything like it was just part of our life and my parents would go to the pub and the kids like all the kids there'd be loads of us kids in the garden just running wild and all the adults in the pub getting drunk and it was we'd all go home together and we all us kids had a brilliant time we loved it yeah, um, but I think I was introduced to it very young, mm. um, 
And straight away, I was intrigued by it. And I thought, well, all these people having fun, it's obviously a good thing. And I couldn't wait to try it. But as soon as I did try it, that was it. I was, I could never manage it. I could never have one or two. Mm -hmm. I was always the greedy one. So at 13, I was babysitting my younger brothers, um, me and a couple of friends. And we got some drink on the sly up in the bedroom, stole some alcohol. And um, they were downstairs doing the babysitting and I was upstairs necking as much as I could before anyone would notice like anyone could stop me or my mum would come home but I did get a bit worse for wear that night and um, my mum had to nurse me so that was the first time that she knew I was drunk as well which was I think it just went down here from there downhill from there Um, but I started drinking then doing it on the sly my mum catching me, I'll get grounded, then I'll go out, drink again, get caught, grounded, and then for my teenage life, that was practically it, really. I was just going in that cycle of drinking, getting caught, getting grounded, drinking, and it was, it wasn't that I was just drinking, like, alcohol pops on the sides, like, with my friends, because even at that age, alcohol pop was, like, fruit juice to me. I was like, what's the point? It's not going to get me drunk. So straight away, I'd get like the vodka or the Stella, whatever I could get that was the most strongest and cheapest was straight away my my go-to. But I'd always be the one that was worse for wear. Like my friends would have a couple and then they'd feel sick or dizzy and it would put them off. Mm. But for me, it wasn't drinking unless I was passed out. So yeah. I've never, ever had a healthy relationship with alcohol. Yeah. Um, but then that progressed into my um, teenage teenage years where... As I was getting older, I was going clubbing at 15. So back then you could use your fake ID and get away with it. Good, you could. <laughs> so I, I was going to clubs at 15, which I look back now, and I think my daughter's 14. I can't imagine her being in a club. It just frightens the hell out of me. Yeah. Um, am I going off subject a bit? No, no, you're not. It, it, I, I can't believe if there's so many similarities. And yeah. I don't. I wrote this somewhere recently. Maybe I wrote it in the book that I'm writing. I can't remember. I write so much, but I remember that strange situation around sort of 15, 16, where you could get on a bus for a half, so a minor, but then get into a club for 18 and at 15 I was doing that and I just I find that just mad now and I'm the same I, I've got three daughters mine um, are still younger but it terrifies me the thought yeah. of them at 15 just going into Bournemouth Centre and clubbing with full yeah. full grown adults yeah. But that's what that's what we did. It was so acceptable, wasn't it? And that whole, you know, what what's really interesting about your story as well, that whole from the very beginning, you just you just wanted to get drunk. And it's, yeah. it's like, where does that come from? You know, because I was the same. I and that carried on throughout my life. And I'm sure, as we'll find out, it will be the same for you. But that there was never a time when it was like, I would love just one glass of wine with my mm-hmm. dinner. It just didn't exist. That no. Scenario. Um, so, yeah. So let's let's go back a little bit to you. Um, you had your daughter. Did your drinking change at all around that period? Or what, what did that look like for you? So, no. So I had my daughter. I was 19 when I had her. Um, so I was a young mum. I was living at home with my parents. Lucky enough, my parents have been always supportive to me. And I think because I lived with them, they allowed, they would have my daughter for me while I went out. So because I was at home anyway, they were at home. It, it 
didn't make much of a difference by me going out or whatever. So I still lived that lifestyle with going out drinking, but I also worked as a waitress um, in the evening. So my parents would have her while I was at work, but then I'd stay behind after work because I knew she was being looked after. I'd stay behind after work. So all my tips that I'd have from work, I'd go straight into the bar and stay there till close and just drink all my tips away. And because I'd panic buy as well. So if the bar was closing at last orders, I'd buy three doubles just yeah. to know. I'd, just because I panic that it's going to run out. Yeah. So I'm never going to be able to drink again. I've got to get this drink in me. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd go home, smash and wake up with my parents Oof. on a hangover. And it's just because it became so normal for me. Mm. You don't realise how abnormal it is, but it just became so normal for me doing that on a hangover. And yeah. yeah, you look back now, you feel awful for it. But at the time, it just felt it felt normal, like I say. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a really um, common thing in this grey area drinking zone that's that's becoming more widely talked about. Um, is that actually it, the drinking? felt normal my drinking felt normal to be honest I wouldn't say that you know I I I look back on my sort of drinking uh, career and that it was any worse than anyone else that was around me I mean yeah okay maybe some of it you know some of my friends were maybe not quite as up there with me but there was certainly friends that were on the same kind of level you know, you, you find your people, don't you? You attract yeah. your crowd, don't you? Um, and I think that's what's quite interesting is that at the time, it feels very normal. Mm. Um, and then when you sort of, I don't know what it is, what happens, but if you, you take those like beer goggles off or whatever yeah. you call them, and then you start to look back retrospectively, just think, oh my God, that is so not normal. And it just feels really strange, doesn't it, that, that, that you ever did think that it was normal. Um, I think it's just a wave of guilt. I just think that's where the guilt comes from because you look back and you think, well, actually, now you understand it's not normal. How could you have thought that at that time? Yeah. And I think just, yeah, the guilt then eats you up, doesn't it? Because you think, if I'd, I would never act like that now. No, but no. At the time because it was, you can't go back in time, can you? So you just got to accept that's how it was and build bridges. Yeah. yeah, and I do think that, you know, obviously as humans, we are responsible for our own lives. Um, and we can't, you know, we can't be victims going around blaming other people. But I do think when it comes to alcohol, and you know, big alcohol, the way that it is marketed to us, just culturally, how acceptable it is, that all kinds of different people, and um, from all sorts of different backgrounds, drink, and yeah. you know, a lot of people drink quite a lot um and I think until that really has a proper shift you know there will continue to be people that fall into what they believe is normal in inverted commas drinking um because at the moment it feels like we're the abnormal ones because we are not drinking (laughs) we are definitely against the grain um so what uh at what point did you recognize that it was becoming problematic you know and, and, and you were thinking that you wanted to stop so it's like it's like I say my mum used to have my daughter for me because she was living there for for a few years so my mum would look after my daughter so I knew she was safe so I could just get up to anything that I wanted to uh, a few times my mum addressed my drinking then and said you need to help it's not normal the way you're drinking I was just completely in denial didn't want anyone's help I was absolutely fine I was loving life um as my daughter got older 
she didn't want to be babysat by a nan anymore. She wanted to be at home and be on her phone with her friends talking and stuff. And she just wanted to be at home. So I'd start then drinking indoors. Um, but she's hated me drinking. She's always hated me drinking. Um, but for me, I was like having a bottle of wine. What's the problem? What's the big deal sort of thing? So that went on for a few years. Um, but then it was no longer one bottle of wine. It was one and a half bottles of wine. Mm. But because I bought two full bottles, I then had to finish it to drink the two. Yeah. I'd go to the shop and it was no longer two bottles. I'd drink by two bottles and the little mini ones to come home with so I could stash them and have them. Or I'd come back from the shop and have a bottle of wine and stash four cans of beer in my bag. And then every time I went out for a fag, just quickly down a can of lager. And even still then, I think I subconsciously knew but didn't want to admit it because I didn't want it to stop. Yeah. I, I liked that way of drinking and I enjoyed it, but obviously you look back now and there's nothing to enjoy about it, but it was just very much like that. Or um, I invited a friend around once and we were going to the pub and she came around and I was really chuffed because I had a bottle of wine left from the night before. So I couldn't remember, I'd blacked out again and I was like, oh my God, I've got some wine left. Like, how good is that of me? Mm. I poured her a glass of wine she went, Heidi, this is water. Oh, no. Mortified because I hadn't known. I'd I'd myself filled it up with water so no one would know that I'd drunk it all because that's what I do as well, fill out of water and then carry on with a different bottle that no one could see. So to everyone else, it looked like it wasn't going down. But to me, I had a different one that I could drink. Yeah. And then when she said that, I was just like so embarrassed. I was like, quickly, let's get out, get drunk. And never really thought about it again until I got sober. Um, so yeah it was times like that but I had three occasions um, when enough was enough one of them is that I'd been out drinking I'd woke up on my sofa and I thought I'd crack my head open so I'd really sticky it was red all over me I didn't know what it was straight away I was like run to the mirror and what had happened is I could see it all around my neck I'd been sick in my sleep and it had gone all around my cheeks all around the back of my neck and my daughter was in bed and I think if she could have woke up and saw me like that or if something worse had happened to me, you just never forgive yourself. So after that, I was like, no, I'm not drinking and tried doing it with willpower alone. And it just didn't work. It didn't matter what situation you get yourself in or how dangerous it was. Willpower is not enough. Mm-hmm. It wasn't enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that occasion, I done went out again and got everyone else stopped drinking at 11 12 I carried on drinking to the next day and it was just enough was enough I felt mm. guilty everyone was angry with me um my partner my daughter my parents and it was just a horrible feeling although I'd done it time and time again it was just this time felt different because I'd had enough of letting people down because it wasn't me when I was sober I didn't I don't let people down and I don't act that way I don't talk to people the way I do so enough was enough but the only way I could really say that to people or prove it was because I had I said fine I'll I'll do something about it and the only thing I knew to do was to go to AA so I took myself to AA I was hung over on a Sunday took myself to AA on the Monday I literally got there and just cried cried my eyes out um because I think you listen to other people's stories and you don't think you're that bad but actually some of my stories were worse than other people's or um very much the same and there's a lot of people in there that was my age because you you kind of get this um stereotype of getting into a meeting and it being full of like old people that just 
drink all day and all night. And I wasn't that type. I'd drink Thursday to Sunday and then yeah. I, that was it for me. But the amount of drinking that time was a bit binge drinking. Mm. Um, so I got there and because I realised that everyone was just like me, because I didn't think I needed to be there at first, but after that first meeting, I knew that's exactly where I needed to be. Um, and I stayed there for four months. I think I stayed going to meetings every week, like two or three meetings every week. And I stayed and got my coins. And that was a real push for me because I was really proud that I'd got them and I'd send it on my family WhatsApp group. I got my first coin and my oh. second one. And then it was just like, that's what I was living for to get that next one, just to stay sober for then and then get my next one. Um, but then after I spoke out a lot of meetings as well, I like talking about my situation because it just made me feel better. And then, um, they wanted me to get a sponsor and everything and it just wasn't I tried it and it just didn't fit in with my lifestyle so I couldn't really commit 100% to it so I decided that wasn't quite for me and then I went into a bit of a downwards spiral not drinking I still I was still sober but it was just like miserable sober it was like I'm being told I can't drink because I've got a problem with it I can't I don't know when to stop I can't manage my drink and then I think I've gone off. <laughs> I've gone no, off no. again. No, no, no. You act, uh, to be honest, you've naturally moved into the how did you get sober question anyway. So uh, yeah. it's it's really, really fascinating. And so you did the four months in AA and that sort of got you on to the straight and narrow. Mm. Um, and you were really motivated by the coins and... Yeah. Then at the point where you were offered the sponsor yeah. um, part, you it wasn't really for you. And then you, so yeah, please carry on because this is a really important um, part of the podcast yeah. is, is how you've managed. Did you, could you, can you identify now looking back at that phase four months, why you were spiraling into, I don't know if it was a sort of depression, but or, you know, what, what was going on there? No, I'd always drank that way. So do you mean before I got sober or while I got sober? Um, so um, your sober journey, so you went to AA and you did this yeah. four months and that seemed, oh, okay. that seemed quite positive, that yeah. sort of start into sobriety. So if you carry on then um, in, in terms of your how you got sober journey, what happened yeah. at four months when um, the sponsor wasn't the right thing for you and you started to feel a bit low in sobriety? Oh. What did you do then? Because I hadn't gone to the meetings, um, I hadn't joined into the sponsor. So I feel like felt like I'd let myself down a bit because I hadn't committed to having a sponsor. Um, but I knew it just wasn't the right path for me. I knew I didn't want to drink, but that wasn't the right way for me to go. Um, so I say, stayed sober, um, but unhappily sober, to be honest. Um, I felt really lonely. I felt like there was no support there apart from AA. So if AA is not for you, then how do you get support? Yeah. Um, I just felt yeah just really alone like I say I wanted to be sober but I didn't feel like I was enjoying it because I'd see on everyone's stories that um, but I only had a couple of people online at that time and I'd mm. see like they were loving life and it was the best thing they'd ever done and I just thought for me what I've, what actually I realised is I was still living the same routine so I'd still get up I'd still like work all week come Friday get a takeaway instead of have a drink or to have a lay-in at the weekend and still do the laziness, lazy things that I would have done if I was drinking. So the only thing I'd stopped is the drinking. Everything yeah. else stayed exactly the same. Yeah. And 
I felt really lonely because no one around me really understood. Although they were very supportive, they didn't quite understand. Um, and then I found a community on Instagram, which is like, just for me, expanded. It was like one after another of people like popping up and I thought, I'll follow you, follow you and watching people's journeys and all different walks of life and their own story. And it became to get, it became better. It just yeah. seemed to be, I had to change my lifestyle as well. So rather than laying in the weekend, I pushed myself to set targets, weekly targets for myself. And so I'd get up early, take the dog for a walk, um, enjoy the gym. I used to go to the gym anyway, but really enjoy it and take my time there and really invest in like um, my research into the gym, like lifting and things like that, changing the way I ate because as well, I was still eating the same. So I was changing the way I eat, where I was eating more healthy, nutritious things, which generally make you feel better anyway. Yeah. Um, and it's not like I craved a drink. I didn't want a drink. I just didn't, I just wanted to stop feeling that way. And the only way to do that, I thought it was just going to happen. Stop drinking and you'll be happy. Yeah. It take a bit of work and time. Um, a lot of reading. I got some advice from you when I and reached out. When I reached out to you, I didn't know if you'd email, like text backs, not everyone does. And I thank God that you did at that time because it was so helpful and useful to me that that, that book that you recommended, the Alan Carr um the women that again yeah. changed my perspective yeah absolutely love that me, book <laughs> you said to me like I was emotionally I was actively sober but not emotionally sober yeah and that really hit home for me because I was just that is completely true so I read that book and then started to change my ways a bit and generally now I couldn't be happier Oh, God, it makes my hair stand on end a bit, that does. You know, it, just from a personal point of view, these people, lots of people message and um, I always make the effort to say something back um, because I can. I, I know what it feels like when I message people and they don't come back to me. But to just think, and I remember as well, really clearly when you messaged and just to think that that one little recommendation could really help adjust your mindset and you know what you were describing there in the in the small subtle changes are changes in lifestyle habits you know just getting up early getting into nature um being present in the gym so not just going through the motions trying to actually invest in yourself yeah. and it's just it's those little small building blocks isn't it and 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 like you say the educational piece the emotional sobriety work which can be as easy as just always having one book on the go or listening to podcasts like this where you can pick one or two little bits of wisdom that might oh yeah okay that's a light bulb's gone off there I I might try that um I just think it's amazing and it and it you know makes almost makes me feel a bit emotional to think that um I might have helped and and had a big impact there yeah yeah definitely did because um like say at that time when I was reaching out to you and I reached out to another lady to say, oh, I don't feel as happy as a lot of people do. And she explained the pink cloud to me. And I'd never heard that expression. I thought it was book. And I was like, oh, can I get it online? And she was like, no, it's, <laughs> it's a phrase, the pink it's cloud. A or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So when she explained that to me, I was like, oh, so it's quite normal what I'm feeling. Like, it's normal that I'm not, you've got to go through the motions of it. It's, and I spent a lot of time as well grieving the fact that I couldn't drink anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, grieving the fact my old me was gone and I had to introduce a new me because I drank from such an early age 
I only really knew me as drinking. So to try and learn who I was, learn my likes, my dislikes, because before I just, as long as alcohol was involved, I was there. Mm. And me and my partner, like, we were together, but we'd be very much separate. So he would do his things with his friends. He didn't like me being drunk or drinking. So for me, sitting in, if he said, oh, I was going to cinema tonight, and I was like, well, you can't really drink and get drunk there. So for me, it was not a fun place to be. So I'd be like, no, I'll sit in. You go out with your friends, I'll sit in, and then I'll drink what I want. And that, for me, was happy time. But now we do so much more together. We're out and about. We're doing things as a family, all three of us. And, yeah, it's just, it hasn't happened overnight. It's, it's been a process, definitely okay. been a process. Um, but I don't think I could go back and have to do that all again. Because, again, I thought, when I was reading everyone's stories, they'd always say, like, their first, second, third time that they tried to get sober and third or fourth time they actually committed to it. But for me, it was, it had to be this time. This is my first proper attempt. It had to be this time because I can't go back and put myself and my family through that because I've opened up so much about it now. Mm-hmm. I can't then, now I know what I know about alcohol and about the way I was drinking. I just can't allow myself to get that way. So, yeah. And you can't unlearn yes. that stuff, can you? That That's no. the really interesting thing about it, isn't it? When you start to see how it is or for what it was you can't unsee that stuff um so I don't think I could ever be comfortable drinking alcohol again I mean I I don't want to anyway it's I'm really really firm on that but if I was ever in a situation for some reason where I did think well let's have a drink like um Mm. I just I can't imagine my whole body would be Yeah. You know, pushing it away because of all the science and yeah you know, I've learned and how just brilliant you feel and yeah no I, yeah. I I think that was quite interesting as well what you were saying about grieving the old you I, I really relate to that and I went through the same thing and I and I do think that a lot of people probably struggle with that the most actually in the beginning and that's all part of that conversation of you know will I ever have fun again how how am I ever going to have fun again if I'm not that version of me who's in the pub necking the booze and falling over and whatever I think that's really difficult isn't it that sort of for me I literally didn't understand who I really was until I was 41 I mean isn't that mad (laughs) but great that I'm here but I think it just makes you feel sad as well that you got to this stage and you only just knew it like Everyone, you do it in your own time when you're when you're ready. Because if someone had told me ten years ago you've got a problem with alcohol, you can't drink properly, I would have been like, whatever, just yeah. you're not my friend no more because yeah. you don't agree with me. Yeah. Um, but I just wish I'd I'd known it then. But in like, you have to go through these things in life, and you can only do it when you're ready. Yeah, and so I was true. ready to do it at that time. But I remember reaching out um, through my late teens uh, to family members, and I'd say like, I think what like. A drink part I don't know how to stop like once I start I can't stop and they'd say I'll say I think I'm gonna to go to the doctors and they'd say yeah but if you go to the doctor you're always tired with that brush like you've mm. always got that stigma attached that you're an alcoholic and jobs later on in life will judge you on on that mm. so it put me off getting help that I probably needed at that time yeah um, and family now like they're like I say I'm super so lucky they've been so supportive um, because they all know what a nightmare I can be after having a drink. <laughs> um, but they thought, like, I'd go and get the help and learn to moderate. Yeah. So 
go and learn not to drink as much as you do go away learn to drink like we do come back we'll have a party and a good time but yeah they don't understand the fact it's it's not like that it's not a case of just saying right I'm going to learn to moderate so I've been trying to do that for years and it's not worked yeah so it's all or nothing I choose nothing so yeah that's absolutely and and thank goodness that you have got to that point though right and and that's that's how I feel as well yeah okay I stopped drinking properly when I was 41 but thank god I stopped drinking properly when I was 41 because um yeah because my my mum drank herself virtually to death and died at 56 you know and it's like I was really paranoid that I was still going to be in this really vicious loop of drinking when I was hitting my 50s and I just didn't want to be there doing that I didn't want to be that person um and I just felt really really conscious of that um so yeah I, I think it's it's whenever it is like you say it's our time yeah but thank goodness that we get to that point and it's so funny isn't it that that there's such a big thing around this moderation thing and it's like every conversation that you have with somebody outside of the sobriety sphere mm just expects you to be able to learn like you say to have one or two but that doesn't happen um for, for a lot of people some people are okay with that uh, but people like you and I want, want to do want, don't, aren't okay with that and we want to live a different mm. way um well, the good thing now because my daughter she's at such an inspirational age where she's in like looking at me looking up to me and your daughter's the same looking up to you and um being able like, to see the, how proud she is in her face it's like she's at the age she's past the age that I started drinking she's never wanted a drink because she's seen me drunk she hasn't liked it um no doubt she'll get to an age where she'll want to dabble in it and that frightens me more now because what I know about alcohol yeah it's hard it's going to be hard to manage whether to I'm just going to try and educate her as much as I can and explain obviously you've seen the process I've gone through and it's just going to be a difficult one, I think, because mm-hmm. you know how terrible it is for you, but then you can't preach to other people either. No. It's just, um, yeah, so I don't know, I'm going to have to do a bit of research on that one, I think, or just... Yeah, it, it's such a it's such a valid conversation, and um, I haven't come across many podcasts where that's been talked about that widely, about mm-hmm. how, um, how do you support yourself as well as your kids through yeah. that type of experimental phase that they are going to go through. Um, and I think one of the things that I um, try to do with my girls and uh, my older girls are six and eight, so they're, they're still quite young, but um, I celebrate my soberversaries yeah. and I buy myself a, a Colin the Caterpillar cake and obviously the girls go mad because it's chocolate yeah. cake. What is that for, mum? And I say, well, I'm celebrating not drinking wine. Now, they're too young, really, to remember that heavy drinking version of me because um, yeah. I stopped three years ago. And I, I just don't think they have any proper memories of it. And, and a lot of that drinking, to be honest, was done when they were in bed. Um, yeah. But 
I do want to be open about that. And I don't want to sort of ram it down their throats, but I will continue that dialogue with them. Mm. But look, mummy, when it's age appropriate, I will say mummy used to drink wine and mummy used to drink too much wine um, because it used to make me not feel very good. And it also made me make bad decisions because, you know, when you drink, you start to lose your senses a bit and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I just want to try and educate them in that way. Yeah. So, you know, I know you'll, you you will probably be in a situation where you do have a drink. And I think for me, I, I would love to be able to be in a situation where I've built the trust between us that they could always call me if they got into a um a bit of a risky situation um and and to sort of not push not not be so hard on the drinking thing that they never want to tell me that they've done it, but to just keep that dialogue open okay you had a drink okay how did it make you feel did you you know did you lose control did you like that feeling no da, 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 da. so yeah. it, it is tough isn't it I'm not there yet you're much closer to it than me um yeah. perhaps you'll be able to share your <laughs> experience with me in a few years time when you're sort of navigating it hopefully well, successfully but I've kept my journey so from the minute I stopped drinking the AA meetings is I've been very honest with her so she's very much on this journey with me. So, and she's proud of me. And she says, like, she tells me she's proud of me and, and things like that. And that means the world. So we have got a nice relationship, but only since I've become sober, I feel like an actual adult that I'll compare like an adult. Because before, when I was drinking, I'd rely on my mum a lot. But mm. even making decisions like um, if Tilly wants to do so, I'd ring my mum and say, what do you think? Is this a good idea or not? And I'll still ring my mum for advice, but I can parent because I've got a lot clearer head now. And yeah. I understand my emotions, so I'm a lot clearer in in my parenting with her. And yeah. we have become, I mean, we've always been close, but the relationship is blossoming. So I have been completely honest with her. And, and I've always said, like, because some of their friends have started drinking. And I've just said, well, you, you just talk to me anytime you want to have a drink. And like you say, we'll, we'll talk it through. Yeah. But they've got so many alcohol-free options now that... If she wanted to join in and not feel like she's missing out, she's got that. But I don't, it's just going to be a difficult one. But her friends are now drinking what I used to drink at that age, like alcohol pops and things like that. They're drinking like little cans of gin, which is, it's like the gin mixes. And yeah, feels, feels a bit more hardcore, doesn't it? Yeah. Way. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But um, like I say, she's got a good head on her shoulders. So um, I think she'll take my advice because she's seen me go through the process. Yeah, so we'll just have to play that out. <laughs> I, th- I think that's amazing, actually. Um, and you know, yeah, hu- huge well done to you because my mum was was she an alcoholic? I, uh, what does that mean? I don't know. She definitely drank every night, and she was, you know, I was raised around her being mostly drunk, and I used to hate it mm. as well. But back then you know you mentioned this as well but you know people just didn't talk about it they brushed things under the carpet um and so it was never something it was always just like a dark secret Mm. um, and it kind of hangs over you a bit and I would have loved actually to have had the opportunity in my life for my mum to have got sober Mm. and to have built a proper relationship with me and I do feel in some ways I was kind of robbed of that a bit because our relationship was so poor that when I was 19, or actually I was I was 21 actually, when I was 21, I, I, I cut ties with her because mm. I just couldn't cope with the chaotic 
craziness that she brought into my life. And I didn't speak to her for 10 years. Um, and then I spoke to her briefly and then I kind of cut off again. And then about four years after that, she died of breast cancer. Yeah. Um, so I never really saw her, never had an opportunity to have an adult kind of relationship with her or, or for her to have been a what I think is a proper parent. So, you know, you... Um, have given your children and yourself such a wonderful opportunity there. It's, yeah. There's so much healing going on in yeah. that. And I think that, you know, from someone that's been in a similar position as your daughter, that's such a wonderful gift that you've given yeah. her. Um, that, yeah, I, I just I just think it's absolutely lovely. And it, I think... It could have easily have gone the other way. It could have easily have me ended up... It was... Yeah, the guilt of it all was just too much. But it's I feel terrible for the people that don't find that that just stay on that roller coaster of alcohol because it's not it's not an easy journey and some people can't face up to it you've got to go face up to the mm. fact that you can't drink um whether you're an alcoholic or binge drinker however you describe yourself mm. it's I still don't even really know how to describe myself yeah I'm an alcoholic because you say it to someone they're like no you're not you're not an alcoholic yeah. but they don't know all the secrets behind it they don't know me and the the other side to it, um, but I just don't know. It's just I don't drink anymore. Um, I'm loving it. I enjoy not drinking, and I have been called boring a couple of times. Um, people say, "Oh, you're going out the weekend, gonna get smashed." Like, no, I don't drink. And they're like, "Oh my god, it's so boring." It's like, "Well, you see me tomorrow morning and see how boring I am then." Yeah, laying in bed, being sick everywhere. Like, you don't know me, so you can't have that judgment. But yeah, it's just it's just opened a different life to me, completely oh. different life, and I'm just loving it at the moment. Well, that's so lovely. Yeah, continue. Yeah. <laughs> really sounds it as well. You can, you, I know you can really tell, can really tell, and I, I just think that's brilliant. Um, so, what would you say um, was the biggest gain? What's the biggest gain in sobriety so far for you? So it's being present, being present in the moment. Um, and not having that battle in my mind, like I'd always have a battle, like, shall I drink tonight? No, I'm not going to drink. I'll have one. No, I won't have one. I'll have two. No, I'm not going to drink. Oh. It was just a constant all day and it was tiring, so tiring. Yeah. And you get to four o'clock, you're like, I'll, get, I'll go and get a bowl. Then you're back at the shop within an hour to get the next bowl. And you think, but you instantly feel relieved because you've not got that battle anymore. Mm. So as soon as you've got the wine, it's like you've you've made a decision not to drink. Yeah. Whether it's to drink or not to drink. And it's not having that constant in my mind should I drink should I not drink I'm hungover I've got through today I'll go and get another bottle of wine so it's not having that on my mind all the time and on a Friday now the first few Fridays I had to really occupy myself but now it doesn't even it's not even crossing my mind like yeah it's it's funny that isn't it actually I'm so not aware of that Friday feeling anymore mm. like Friday's just another day in my yeah fab week if you know what I mean I mean not, you know obviously there are ups and downs in life and not every day is rainbows and unicorns no. but um but it's just so funny that that whole that I used to live for mm. Friday getting wrecked on Friday you know get the wine on the way home woo yeah um and now and when when I see people going fry yay and you know clink yeah. and cheers pictures and I just think god I'm I, it's just it's Friday it's Friday <laughs> it's just yeah. Friday it's not and you know but I do obviously you know that Saturday morning and that Sunday morning feeling of being present and clear and fresh and well rested oh it's just never never loses its edge no <laughs> 
No, exactly. But for me, when I was drinking, I'd spend all weekend cleaning um, because I could get up, I could zone out and just that's what I was used to doing. So no matter how bad my hangover was, I would just crack on my cleaning and my housework. So it feels like if I'd laid in bed, I didn't feel guilty. If I got up and done my housework, I'd feel all right. Um, feel still feel hungover, but not have the guilt side of it as well. Where now I just want to get up and get out of my housework and wait. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't have anything to do in the evenings now. I love getting out and getting out of the house early morning and come back in the afternoon and do a bit because I can do that now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just changed so much. Like say, me and my partner are doing so much more together. Um, oh, that's nice. Just the three of us. Yeah, it's just... I can't believe me changing my actions has impacted on everyone else around me. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, what's been the hardest part? Of getting getting sober. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) I stopped halfway through. (laughs) That's all right. The hardest part, yeah, of of, of getting sober. So for me, it was um, the loneliness feeling very much alone um grieving my old self becoming someone new um because I didn't know anything else that was the normal to me and it was just and then also having these flashbacks so when you do drink just gives you that that sick feeling that guilt feeling so I'm hoping that passes because that still does just make me feel so ill as soon as I think I'll get a flashback um I'm hope with time you start healing like you say don't you start healing that but yeah I think the biggest the hardest part was feeling very lonely which is why things like this I'm all for because someone could be sitting on their own in their own silent journey not have the support of family and friends Mm. they could listen to something like this and it could make them feel less lonely it's just yeah um, but yeah I think loneliness was the biggest part people not understanding me although I had the support they didn't really understand how how I was feeling yeah Um, and I think what's um amazing about all of that is that actually what we're talking about here is still only seven months Mm. so what I think is quite reassuring for listeners is that you have had this very up and down journey and yeah of course you know no one ever gets properly fixed it's no. always, it's a continuous thing, isn't it? You just get better, I think, over time and you improve coping mechanisms and you heal more when you look back and you get rid of that shame. All of those things happen, you know, the longer that you go through sobriety. But the fact that you've done seven months and you've had this start, then you've had this real low, then you had these realizations and you felt lonely, but then you just did some new habits and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And now you're feeling so positive and, mm-hmm. you know, you're beaming. People yeah. can't see that, but, you, you know, you look really happy. And that we're talking about seven months. Yeah. So for anybody in the beginning that's just thinking, I am never going to feel better or, you know, has those understandably negative Mm. feelings initially just shows you that it could just be months really, that you just need to do that little bit of work, feel uncomfortable, you know, embracing the new, which is a bit scary. And then, you know, several months in, you could be in a place where you're just feeling that gratitude daily and having all those positives, really. I just think it's a really strong Love yeah. message. I think getting through all of your fests as well. So your yeah. fest party, your fest. I've just got back from our fest holiday, um, and there was four of us. Four girls went: two drinkers, two non-drinkers. Um, 
I think it was so much better that I had someone there to support me not drinking. That was a massive help for me. But the two that were drinking, I didn't feel like I was missing out one bit because I don't know when you're sober and you see someone else drunk, you're not judgmental, but you think that could quite easily have been me. But where they're in a position they can stop once they've had enough, it Mm. would end so much different for me. So it's just play play it forward, don't you? Like, um. And I can't wait. We've already, me and the sober one have already booked <laughs> the, our next holiday together oh, next year. Nice. So, yeah, it was a no- lovely time and I didn't feel like I missed out once. It's so funny, the first sober holiday, isn't it? Um, there is that fear before mm. you go. And I remember four months into sobriety, I went on holiday um, with my now husband and um, I absolutely loved it. I couldn't believe how much better a sober holiday was. Yeah. You know, I had all this fear around it, but I came back, I felt really refreshed and healthy yeah. and just well rested and just all the things that I think holidays actually are supposed to be. <laughs> but for whatever reason, we've just drunk through them in the past and feel feel like you need a holiday afterwards to recover exactly well that's what we were saying like me and my um cousin who didn't drink we're up yesterday normal day-to-day life and before because this holiday was booked it's been postponed for two years so if we'd gone two years ago the story would have been completely different completely different holiday so we're both very grateful that it was postponed really because we were ruined we would have ruined what could have would have been a lovely holiday I think ruined it with hangovers and yeah and drunkness yeah so. that's fate isn't it that's that's really great, yes that's definitely yeah. um great so we're coming towards the end um yeah. what would you say are your top three tips on either getting sober or in sobriety so straight away I would say reaching out it's a difficult journey and you can't do it by yourself. Although if you've got the support around you, great. If you haven't, there is lots of people out there like on Instagram that I found. Um, lots of books that I've been reading. Uh, just find what works for you and follow who follow someone with a similar story because there's plenty of stories out there. And I think if you find someone with a similar story to, to you, you can reach out for advice and don't get put down if you're not always responded to, because I know some people you get a lot of like messages and that and just move on and, and ask someone else or message someone in the comments box and if they're on the same journey as you. But straight away, I find if you can relate to someone, it just helps so much. Um, so, yeah, definitely reach out. Um, replace the drinking some times that you would have drank. So now at the beginning, like when I wanted to drink on a Friday night, at four o'clock I'd have a bath which was really weird for me to have a bath at four o'clock in the afternoon but I've done that got into my jammies I felt relaxed and it took that 10 minutes of wanting to away mm-hmm. so it's just distracting yourself with something that you would normally um use to like normal times that you drink yeah um and secondly is change your habits don't stay in that life you were living because you're not drinking no more so you can get up early mornings you can stay out late but stay out late doing other things like a seafront walk or the cinema things that you wouldn't normally do find what you like enjoyments likes dislikes and just find what's you really just find yourself use the time to to heal I think they're absolutely brilliant tips 
Heidi, it's been so wonderful to chat to you. And thank you. Yeah, I can't wait to see more of your journey. And <laughs> thank uh, you. yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, it's been a pleasure coming on. Like I say, I find it healing for me when you talk about it openly. Um, I know not everyone feels the same talking and telling their story, but I do. It just it helps me as much as it will help someone else. So I do appreciate you for having me. Thank you. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at Sassy Sober Mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.